the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of uh, credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember, the time to set up your line of credit is before you need it, so that when you do need it, you have it ready to go, so that way you can address emergencies. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Karen Eber Davis from Karen Eber Davis Consulting. Before founding her firm, Karen developed the Sarasota County Community Development Block Grant Program. Under her leadership, this infant program received the National Association of Counties National Affordable Housing Award for the Down Payment Assistance Program. To date, the program helped over 1,800 families realize their dreams of home ownership. She also worked with the city of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and the Department of the State of Florida. Division of Cultural Affairs, where she developed the division's first audit program. Karen's clients include Habitat for Humanity, AARP, the the Salvation Army, and many, many, many smaller nonprofit organizations. Karen has an MBA from the University of South Florida with a focus on finance and marketing, and she graduated magna cum laude from the University of Connecticut with a bachelor's degree in psychology. Karen, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Steve, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So today's topic is called Handling Your Boss, the Nonprofit Board. And, uh, you know, really, I think what we're alluding to here, of course, is the executive directors working closely with their boards. Um, is, is that really the, the, the crux of what we're going to be talking about today? Yes. Yeah. So, so let's kind of get into... Uh, your experience uh, a little bit when you're being brought in as a consultant to help. Now, are you usually brought in by the executive director or are you brought in by the board? Um, most of my work is been through the executive director. So, so give me the scenario. The executive director calls you up and she or he says, Karen, what do they say then? Oh, Karen, um, I'm, I'm interested in doing some strategic planning or – um, on my fundraising planning is not where I want it to be. So often it's a planning function and it's a product function. I, I need to produce this thing. Do, do they then get into, did you then find out that their problem is the with the board? The opportunity is with the board. Um, often they're, they're CEOs and executive directors of nonprofits are in this interesting place where if they come in and there's an existing board, they inherit a group of people who are their board because they evaluate how the CEO is working. And yet, and when they recruit them, they're bringing in people. So it's this interesting relationship where they have a lot of people who are their bosses. 
And because of that, there are issues and challenges and conversations about how to help the board that they'd like to have, but it's not always always appropriate to go to the board with those conversations. Um, And then sometimes it's not appropriate to go to the staff. So I often become a trusted advisor and we talk about what they're trying to do and really how to help the board in their best interest to help the nonprofit. So it's like, it's kind of a words, would you say it's kind of like wordsmithing things? You kind of find out, you know, you got, you'd be brought, you're brought on for this particular project of what they want to do. You find out that the board is, it is, uh, uh, can be challenging uh, to the executive director. And then you kind of talk about a strategy of how to get the board on board. And sometimes it's, yes, that's a piece of it, but often to do a strategy well or a fundraising plan well, we need the board to be on board. So boards tend to be one of two things. They're into micromanaging or they're not engaged. And so we're trying to move them to the middle where they're contributing in what boards do best. What do you find that that's most, are they micromanaging or are they just, uh, what was the other scenario you said? Uh, that, uh, unengaged. Like unengaged. Not- so what scenario for the smaller nonprofits, what would you say is more common? Micromanaging. Wow. Really? Yeah. See, I, I had gotten the impression and you're the expert and I, and I'm not, um, I had gotten the impression that the, a lot of the boards are unorganized for smaller nonprofits. That's true. Um, and and I would say that's not even just smaller nonprofits that many people struggle with boards and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, one of them, many board people, if they've never served on a board, they don't know what their job is. (laughs) So, and everyone, when you gather people around, say it's an early evening meeting, a five o'clock end of work day meeting, and you're going to be with them 90 minutes. They've been up since Odark 30. They've done their job and now they're coming to help you. And boy, they would like to do some easy things versus hard thinking, which is what you really need them to do. And so if they're tired and, and you haven't given them good boundaries, they tend to micromanage. You know, um, I had a scenario this morning where I own this commercial property and one of my tenants is, is a problem. And, uh, you know, I think dealing with people is always the hardest part of any job. And I, I can imagine for the executive director dealing with five to seven people on their board, if they have to be, you know, involved, it's, it's just t- so taxing. And there's always the, you're, you're not a peer. Yeah. And so you want to ask them to do things and you're remembering that they're volunteering. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, since they're your board, you want to choose people who you really like, you know, and that can be for small nonprofits, that can be a real danger because there are people who are not necessarily leaders and you really would like to have leaders. So it's finding a place in yourself where you're comfortable saying, who will challenge me in a good way and challenge the organization to become what it wants to become, but not be so like outrageous and unreasonable about what's needed. So finding that sweet spot is, is a constant struggle. And it's not, um, it's, it's, people shouldn't feel bad that their boards are difficult um, because they are, as you said, it's like the tenants, the human beings are, are just a challenging group of um, animals. Yeah. 
I guess that's why it's just in a in the best scenario, you have um, to have the the chairman of the board be able to manage everybody and filter everything back and forth between the executive directors. Probably the best case scenario. Yeah, you need a board champion. It, usually, in its best one, it is the board chair. Yeah, the problem is you know that these positions switch too. You know, the board chairman's not always there. You know, they, he, they, he or she will spend a couple of years doing that and, you know, depending on your bylaws too. And then you have to redevelop that relationship all over again with somebody else. Correct. Yeah. And the executive, the executive director tends to stay a lot longer, I guess. Is that true? In, in good situations, yeah. I mean, in, in, the, in the ideal situation, you have a chance to come on with a board that you came on, you know, you inherit, and then you pick and design that board and create, you know, this team of people who are all, you know, a like working with each other. So it reduces conflict. They also love your cause and they're about the right reasons. And you begin to get people who are saying we have the same vision in mind. And then the conversations about how to do it best. And that's that's a good kind of conflict. Like, you know, should we should we focus on um, sponsorships or should we focus on donors? That's a nice tension to have those conversations and thoughts with your board. So, so let's um, talk about some of your suggestions in regards to handling your boss, the nonprofit board. So, um, tell us some of your ideas in regards to you know how to better do that. Well, here's one. I'm assuming many of your listeners have just gotten their boards on board for the new year, and and and. And even if they, they haven't, they'll be doing that soon if, if you have a fiscal year that's, say, July or something. Um, but instead of just thinking about board recruitment all once a year, think about it all year long. And I really recommend a very technical tool, like get a, like get a yellow pad, eight and a half by 11, <laughs> and stick it in your board notebook yeah. and write down, oh, board um, prospects this month. And, and go back and look at your calendar and say, who have I met or interacted with? Who could be a good prospect? And when you get to your board meeting, if you're a few minutes early and there's two board members saying, hey, let's think about who could be a prospect of board members and start to have a, a master list of, of many choices of people who you then can be vetting um, and watching. How do they interact with people? How you know do people like them? Do they, do they contribute in terms of like supporting other people? What's, what's their behaviors? So uh, at what point do – when the like when the board is kind of a, a mess, um, at what point do you think it's time for the exec director, director to step in and kind of say, um, we got to take a step back here and fix this board? And I don't mean by replacing people. I meant by having job descriptions, by having – roles and responsibilities by having a, a, a defined meeting agenda, you know, if those type of things are not being done, at what point does the exec director really need to step in? Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because my, my, it's the board and the board has their own experience and you are an outsider. You are not their peer because they do have this hiring and firing, but ability and you don't have that. And there's always going to be this, but you are the expert at your mission and your organization and what boards need and what boards, you know, can be like. And so you are always going to be shaping them. And sometimes you have to be more deft at how you help the board to see your role 
Um, but yes, it's always on your agenda to help the board be good. Yeah. Uh, it's tough when like in, in our premise here about the topic, which is what we say is handling your boss, the nonprofit board. You can't, you know, if you're working in corporate America and you, you can't just get rid of your boss, you know, you can't tell your boss how to do his or her job. Right. You can no, just, but you better manage your boss if you want to keep your job. Yes. That's, yeah, that's true. That's definitely <laughs> it's, true. It's that. And, and again, you know, boards when they're functioning really well are helping to set policy and strategy and they're bringing you ideas they've seen in the community and saying, you know, I saw this way they did this meeting. It was really cool. We could do that. So you're getting this um, community reading, you're getting this, you know, that work, but they don't know that, <laughs> you know, and why should they, unless they've served on a lot of boards. Yeah. So what, what is the, the typical scenario that you see when you, when you, it, well, let me take a step back. You know, of course, when you're in your own mind, you think you don't have perspective on your own uh, faults, skill sets, uh, whatever other you know acronym or you or you you, you kind of want to use. Um, should you do some self evaluation to see if maybe the board isn't the problem? Yes, that's a good plan. Um, because of course, you know, with this classic story is there's only one person you can really change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one of the things that many CEOs and executive directors need to have the courage of their conviction of their experience um, of what they know. Um, they know it's not really a good idea to go knock on people who are wealthy store and ask them for money. They know this, you know, and many a board member has thought that was a good idea as well as let's, you know, have a garage sale. Yeah. Um, and it's not that those, those ideas are ideas of what people have learned um, by listening to the media, by reading the paper, by being in garage sales or, you know, seeing this happen. Um, but you, so you have this educational process and Part of when I work with people, what really works really well is to say, let's find some reasons why your board would want to do this behavior that you think is helpful. You know, how can you encourage them and not discourage them and keep keep a dialogue open? So I, I, I have to ask this question. What percentage of the time? So we, we've determined that a lot of times you'll, you'll go into a uh, – you'll have a discussion with the executive director and they'll tell you they want to do this uh, fundraising campaign or they want to, they need to raise money or they want to inter- implement this program. And then it leads you to uh, when you're discussing the issues that are going on or when they start to engage you, you find out that there's a issue between the executive director and the board. Uh, what percentage of the time do you find that that happens where you have to kind of move away from the original assignment that you thought you were becoming brought on for to fix this issue in regards to communication or skill set of of the the board and the executive director. I think I would look at this differently. That okay. they're calling me to to help them do a project that the board and everyone says, "Oh yes, we need to do this. We need to have a fundraising plan, for instance." 
uh, or we need to, um, you know, figure out how to be more efficient. So there's a, there's a project that's been named. And as you work together, you realize, and many people will say to me, my board is great. And they are. They, they come to meetings. They contribute. They're, they're doing that. Yet there's some level they're not maximizing what's happening. It's more of an opportunity than is perceived as a problem. And I would say in almost every case and every client, we talk about the board at some level. And and even if it's like, this is the agenda, we have to bring this to them. And how are we going to do that? That's a board conversation. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, it makes sense. You can't implement any type of project without people. And, you know, if they're involved let's face it, the majority of the board and exec directly are involved in fundraising in some respect. So. And, and, and even implementing and, 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 um, and, you know, they're, they're in the best of worlds too, they're your ambassadors. And so they need to have a comfort level when they are out in the community and they hear your, your organization mentioned, and maybe there's something, you know, that's hit the newspaper. They need to be able to respond to that and say, yes, you know, we had a difficult financial year last year. So many nonprofits did but this is what we're doing. This is our hope for the future. Okay. So, so what else would you suggest uh, in, for an executive director and how to handle their board? Um, I would say, too, there's, there's some things, too, just, just in terms of, like, meeting um, uh, etiquette. Uh, you know, goal is to start on time. And it's, that seems like a small thing. But many, if you have really good board members, they're really good people and they're leading in the community. And so they have booked this time for you. And in the age of Zoom and, and even in the real world, um, you know, I live in Sarasota, so traffic is, can be really interesting during spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is late factor. But start with your agenda. Start with um, just information agenda. But get started right away. People will, will align themselves. Also, don't go beyond 90 minutes um, and, and, and try to get out even in, in you know, an hour and 15 minutes. So people aren't overtired. Um, boards, when they get tired, are cranky <laughs> and they make bad decisions. You know, one fact. Um, pick only a few agenda items. Try to get two or three major things discussed and either do it through memos or some other way, some other time to get information to them. So, so really kind of, again, controlling that agenda. Uh, another one would be to look at your agenda. Are you asking for policy and strategy or are you asking them to micromanage? This happens. You know, so, so these are some of the you know, practical like, okay, it's board meeting day. What do I do things? What's a normal meeting rhythm for a board? Um, once a month, twice a month, once a week? Uh, once a month, generally, and once then month. often in that there's a, a month or two that's skipped, like August, or you know, there, there's it's so it's probably like ten to eleven meetings per year. Yeah, it's, it seems I I, I was on a, on a board for several years, and you're right, we met once a month. Um, the what do you do? I mean, a thirty day gap between you know. Having a ninety-minute meeting, which is not very long, uh, but I get what you're saying, and then having thirty minutes. I mean, you know, we're talking about that you're only going to be meeting with these people for maybe twelve hours a year, and then, you know, asking them to move forward with the project that you're working on. Or it seems, it seems very challenging from a communication standpoint of uh, holding. 
I, I don't, I hate that we use the word holding people accountable because I know your, your, your boss is the board, but you know, how, how do you kind of follow up to make sure that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah. Uh, so the board meeting, I mean, the, the real ideal, and this is when people go crazy who hear this, is one of my, my favorite examples is a, a woman named Kelly Parrish, and she actually meets before COVID uh, physically with each of her board members and goes over the agenda in advance. Wow. So that's that's a ambitious, you know, undertaking. Yeah. But it does not mean that I would look towards, if you do have a heavy agenda, is, is really doing just a quick phone call with people. Yeah. yeah, here are the three highlights, Steve. What, what what are you hearing that you know that I'm sure that a large majority of these nonprofit meetings have gone Zoom uh, or conference call? Um, what have you heard um, the negatives and positives uh, uh, of that versus the in person? Uh, positives have been a lot shorter, yeah. <laughs> which most of us appreciate. Uh, the negatives are you don't have a really lively cross conversation. Yeah. As you would in a room, you you miss the uh, socialization, the casual conversation that happens before and after the meeting, um, and and some of that you know that whole relationship building because a good board will. This is another tip: is finding times for your board to have relationships individually with other board members. When they do have those, then when you bring them a decision, they already know how the other person's thinking around some of these topics, and that makes yeah. decision making go better. Well, it's a bonding thing, right? You kind of want your 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 board to bond. So, you know, having drinks, you know, going out for a drink, and so that people can let their guard down a little bit is probably pretty important. Yeah, I mean, it's just sort of like we talked about the snow this morning and and, and the weather in New Jersey. And that was a bonding about how I was raised in New England too. So there's the commonality that begins to have me get you. So yes, yeah, so the drinks work too. Is it? You think it's safe to say that when uh, the COVID situation is over with, that a huge majority of people will go back to having in-person meetings for the board? I think it'll always be mixed, and I'm thinking that the optimum will be either every third live or every other one live, and that people will experiment to find out what that is. Huh. Interesting. Uh, sounds like a, a, so it sounds like it could be a good opportunity for you, Karen, and to put together a, a white paper on how to run a good meeting over Zoom. Hmm. Funny you should say that. I'm working with uh, another consultant about Zoom hints, <laughs> you know? You know, it's funny because I was working on another project I'm working on, um, doing a cultural plan for a city. And we started off in October and we were telling people how to use the chat room, you yeah. know, and yeah. now we're using how to do the annotate. In Zoom. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's kind of funny how we've all gotten to be Zoom. Has anybody ever asked you to come in to facilitate board meetings? Yes, I do that. Oh, interesting. Because, and um, even so, that they can kind of see, everyone can see what a good board meeting it runs like. Absolutely, and and ability too for the the chair and the the exec the staff. You know, if the, if the executive is part of the board in, as a team member, is to be in the meeting. Yeah, and and not only are they then in the meeting, which is different than running the meeting there's my ability to come back and say, these are the things I observed. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a no brainer. I'm going to be honest with you, Karen, to bring you in to kind of uh, 
even if it's just once a year, I think just one meeting for for everyone to have practice into and and also you're the one who can kind of say you you could you're the one who can kind of be the bad guy too, not the executive director, right? If someone is constantly taking up time of everybody and is off agenda, you know, I must be challenging you for you to say something. Yeah, no, I, I'm, you know, often I can, I can even say too, you know, I've been doing this 20 years, I've been consulting for a long time. And um, yeah, many, many boards think this is the way to go, but your executive director is right on this, you know, so in a good natured way, um, affirming them and understanding where they're coming from, but also saying, no, this is what best practices is. Yeah, especially because I would think that there's a lot of people on the board are tend to be strong-willed. You want them to. I mean, you want people who who you know who who are leaders. You know, so so you do have that. That's another part of the like balancing act. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So what else? What, what other things have you seen that people have done or that you've kind of recommended uh, to kind of help the executive director with the board? Um, you t- hit on one that I'm always concerned about and the conversation hog. Um, and, and that's something that needs to be dealt with because if you don't control that, you will disengage other members. Um, and it can be really difficult with the conversation hog is the founder or the major funder in the room. So that's always a challenge. And, and some hints about that is to learn and teach your co-chair to do things like, oh, excuse me, you know, Steve, you just shared so much information. I'm going to be rude here and interrupt you. Is this what you said? You know, when Steve, yeah. not you, another Steve goes yeah. on and on and on. Then you say, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting confused again. So you yeah. begin to find some behaviors that you can do and that if you do that, you will find other people kind of shutting them down. Yeah. You know, they'll people will if, if you begin to get that going with you and a board champion, the other people will help. Yeah. Is it I guess most meetings that are run are <clears throat> when you get into um idea sharing, it's free flowing and you don't really kind of go around the room and give each person a minute and then use a timer. Uh, I know I have one group that I, I've been meeting with for 25 years, and that's very common for us to give uh, a time limit at what each person can speak. But that's very a, a very organized, uh, not brainstorming type of scenario. Is that, you know, using a time timer helpful in those scenarios? That, that can be a great technique. Um, and to say, you know, I, I looked at our meeting from last time and I realized that Five people never really had a chance to say something. So I want to start with them and we'll give them a minute apiece. And, you know, so you begin to put some boundaries in and you flex on those. You can't be the school mom, but you can, you know, especially if your board chair is saying, that's a great idea. I think we should do that. Let's go. You know, yeah. You know, so yeah. You, you plan all this out in advance. Well, uh, it's, it's called Robert's Rules, right? I'm sorry. It's been a while since I've looked at it. Robert's Rules in regards to running, uh, being in a meeting and running a meeting. Is that what it's called? Yes. Now, is there is there a rule that's that's better or more appropriate for nonprofits that's out there? That's often used, especially when the tension in the room increases. 
And the more, another continuum on that is the more governmental funding based you are, you get into more, much more official, like, let's use the rules. Yeah. Well, that's nice to have when you have more government funding. It's not so much about fundraising, I guess, then it's a more that the board's working on execution of the mission, I guess, right? Right. And you, you have a real desire to get things officially in the meetings, the minutes, excuse me. And, and so you want to make sure you've got that because you're, you're a little bit, you're, you have uh, ducks to knock down that are in a row and you've got to go through them. Yeah. What's the, the, n- I, I, the number one biggest issue that you think that um, nonprofits boards have with executive directors? Good question. Um, finding their role. Um, they recognize they're the boss of this person. So does that mean that they're going to tell them what to do? Um, you know, so getting those, those issues sorted out and then how do I contribute? Um, you know, my, the executive director's asking me to do things and a, maybe I don't think they're very smart or I don't want to do them or they're not my skill base. How do, what, how do I deal with that? Have you, have you found, um, any type of video or any type of training that, uh, can be done, um, you know, over the internet, you know, through Zoom or wherever that trains board members? None that I can think of because it's not one size fits all be my challenge with that. I mean, there's, there's some I've, I've done, I had done a series with other consultants about everything your board needs to know. It was six hours and it's quite a while ago. Um, but I, I really more go from the, like, how do you make a customized plan from where your board is to where you want them to be? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, if, if a board's only meeting 90 minutes a month, I, I guess you'd have to take that video and break it down to maybe 15 minute increments and just tell everybody before you come to the meeting, please watch this 15 minute, you know, That'd be one, or, or send an article. One of the things I do encourage CEOs to do is to have a curriculum. You know, yeah. where's the board now? Where do I want them to be at the end of the year? And how can I give them information? You know, so so for instance, like um, your organization has five different funding streams, and there's no reason a board would be an expert on those, but they need to have some knowledge of what they are. So how can I introduce the idea of this is a grant we get every year and this is what we have to do to get it? You know, how can I do that in a way that's part of the agenda sometimes? And then sometimes it's like, okay, let's talk about sponsorships and here's how you can help. So, I mean, sometimes it looks like a curriculum and sometimes it looks like, oh, by the way, here's some information. But that you are intentional about where you want your board to go and what they have to learn. And you were saying the executive director, uh, I can see where they would educate the board about the stuff that they're doing at the and, and the organization. But are you suggesting, too, that it's a good idea for the executive director to send out um, um, uh, articles about how to have a better board? Yeah. And I, I think uh, one source I didn't just thought of now is board source has some excellent, you know, here's here's a board policy. Here's what the board guidelines are. So they are a national organization, if not international, that has great board resources. What do you see the difference between um, a very established uh, board that is for a very large nonprofit and versus how, how their meetings are run 
versus the board for a very a smaller nonprofit under five million dollars in revenue, like a, some, something that's around a million or two. What what do you think the difference are is in how those meetings are run? Oh, the large organizations often have a staff member, assistant to the executive director who is in charge of all board stuff. Yeah. That's not the relationships, but all the behind the scenes, sending out the reminders, sending out the packets, making sure if, if the person needs Zoom training that they're getting it. So all those kinds of things are taken off of the executive director. And so the relationship then on the larger, which is kind of where your ideal is, is really about how do I help this board member and the board as a whole help our organization. So getting some of the, the stuff out of the way. And and. How do you like? How is in general? And I know everybody's different. I get it. Um, how is an executive director? How is their personality often different than the way that the the board works? Does that make sense? I are you asking how, especially in small, that there can be a tendency of the board to be patronizing? I don't know. I'm just asking for a generalization. I mean, I would think that for smaller nonprofits, which are often uh, not as uh, old as the the bigger nonprofits, uh-huh. the the executive director I would think is more of a, kind of a go getter because they they're, they're the, you know they're often the founders, they're often the ones who are making things happen, and and yet you know the board members, it's often hard to find four, five, six people. Mm. We're all the go-getters too. So you have this executive director who is very much a go-getter. And whereas the board is a, uh, in some regards, uh, you know, answering to the executive director. Yeah. There's a lot of those messier edges um, in, in, in that situation when you have a, a small organization and the boards are, are, are can be go-getters too. And some of them are major, you know, volunteers when they're not on the board, they're running programs. And so it really gets confusing about, are you a board member now or are you a volunteer now? Are you my friend now? Yeah. (laughs) You know, which conversation are we having? Uh, And actually asking that, you know, why are you, why are we talking about this and what role are we in uh, can help clarify that. I don't know. The thing that I find out with the boards that I've been on has, it's always been the hardest part is the people equation. It's the hardest part, you know? Now, number one was, you know, trying to get a a structure together so that the people's, the the people's personalities is less the, the issue. Um, It's actually the number one biggest issue I ever saw is disorganization of the board. And uh, that, to me, that's always been the number one issue. And then it fosters, you know, uh, people problems because everyone – it's disorganized. Everyone's annoyed. You know, meetings are are not run efficiently. Uh, People feel like they're wasting their times. So it seems like, I guess, if you attack the format issue first, the organization issue of the meetings – the people problems uh, is a lot less. Would you agree with that? I think so. I think that that's certainly is, is, that's a real tangible thing to go try after you listen to this podcast. Yeah, let me go get organized on one thing. That way, if you did that, and then see what happens. Um, also, I think I just talked about the lack of clarity in the relationship. I think the CEO needs to know where their role is. Yeah. And, and where the board's role is, 
um, I'm, I think John Carver has some material out and he talks about how the board when it meets is a board. But the moment it leaves and goes elsewhere in the organization, volunteers the next day, steps out to talk to your staff member, they're a volunteer. And the authority the board has is about that group being together. That's, that's your board. It's not the individual members being board. So it gets rid of like, oh, this board member can tell me what to do. You're really trying to create a funnel where the board is giving the information to the CEO and saying, yes, these are our strategies and policies. And the CEO is translating those into action. But the CEO, if they're not clear on that, you know, they if they don't know where they want the board to be and where they need to be, that then it is chaos. Yeah, I think um I think the thing that I've seen in the boards that I've been on is if the executive director uh, or, and, and, you know, you should probably get the chairman of the board also, you know, to sit down with the executive director and the chairman of the board sit down together and say, listen, let's take one thing every single meeting to, uh, to try to improve our board. So like, well, and the reason I'm saying that is, is, you know, you listen, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you, and you think of all these million things that you need to do to help improve your board. And you try to implement it all at once. And instead of doing that, just do or- it. <laughs> yeah. Just one at a time. One at a time. The first, the, the first thing I'm going to do before this meeting is I'm going to have everybody write up what they think their job description is of or their role on the board. I don't know. Or, you know, let me do some research on that. And, uh, and that's what we're going to try to improve for uh, March. Excellent. Right. I think that's a great plan. The other one that I might need to start with is at the end of, if you're like your meetings tomorrow, is how did the meeting go today? Yeah. What did we do well? Yeah. A minute of evaluation. Yeah. You ever do that anonymously or no? Could be. I, 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 I like to play that one as like the first month, you do it anonymously on it, write an index card, describe yeah. it, you know, whatever you want to write, send it in. Yeah. Um, I will share these. You can read it back or you can just wait um, yeah. and share them the next meeting to remind them at the start. You can um, have them break into twos and, you know, in, even in Zoom, go into a chat and say, what do we do well? What, what can we improve? And come back after them. And that will take a little bit longer. Um, you could um, have them. Um, I'm trying to think. One other another way to do that is um, one person starts and and you know come up make up a list and then rank them which are the most important things. So I mean, playing with that as a different way to engage them. Um, so it's not every meeting we do the same thing. Oh, that's great stuff. All good stuff. I unfortunately we do we've run out of time, and uh, but you know today's to- topic of handling your boss, the nonprofit board. You know I think there was a lot of good action items that maybe uh, give some people some thought starter uh, ideas. So I'd like to thank so very much, Karen, for coming on to today's blog- podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you liked today's podcast, please give us a re- review on your podcasting app as it helps get the word out. The, po- the Nonprofit MBA podcast has become very, very popular. And, um, you know, I, I think people are finding it to be a great resource. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862 207 4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. 
Karen, if, if anybody wants to reach you, how would they go about doing that? Um, my website is um, KED Consult. So it's my initials, KEDConsult.com. And if listeners are interested, I have a newsletter that's called CEO Solutions that discusses nonprofit boards as well as other CEO issues. And to get that, they just do the, my email address and, and add a slash in the word solutions, and that will pick up the sign-up treat for it. Yeah, great job. All right. Well, Karen, thanks for coming on today. It was really great information. I enjoyed it, Steve. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you out there for making the world a better place. This has been a challenging year for everybody, and we certainly need more people to make the world a better place. So thank you so much for what you do. Goodbye, everybody, and have a great, great, safe, safe couple weeks. Bye-bye.